you you have to pay your dues. Uh, I, I mean, 99% of people, right? We've talked about the outliers where you jump in and see immediate success and just hit the ground running, right? But 99% of people in businesses, that uh, just doesn't happen. There's always that grind phase. You're putting in who knows how many hours a week between, you know, building your business and working that second job to put in the grind and pay for the bills, right? Like, I, I want to make that clear. This isn't some, you know, grand old you know, solution to just working immediately four hours a week and making a shit ton of money. Cause that's right. not what this is. All right, guys, welcome back to the pursuit of property podcast today. It's just me and my co-host Cade. And we are excited to get our first book reviews since episode 100. I think we looked and it's been about two, two and a half months since Jeez. our last book review. Yeah. We've got a behemoth today, but I think it was worth the read. What do you think? Yeah, I do too. I know uh, if you guys listened to the podcast last week, we were actually supposed to do this last week. We called an audible um, and focused on a little bit of a different topic last week, talking about building endurance in your business and talking a little bit about the Ironman training. But I think giving us this extra week buffer um, to now be talking about the book we are today, tying in some concepts we talked about last week. Yeah, um, I think this will be a good one for everybody to listen to. I think it's perfect. So let's introduce the book. Uh, this is a pretty popular book. Uh, this is something that we've had our eye on for a while, but it's The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. And the title was a little deceiving. This was actually a very, very helpful manual, and it provides a lot of tools. I thought it was going to be flexing about how little he works. And actually... <laughs> It was really interesting. And so it was a good read for me. I wish I had read it sooner. I yeah. think you and I uh, will talk about kind of some of our newer goals 100%. and how they relate. But yeah, had I known about this book, I think I might have made some adjustments earlier on. 100%. And I think a good preface before we start to dive into the book review is I feel like for some reason the past week or two, we've been having more in-depth conversations um, with people about you know, our working goals, right? And I think this comes at a perfect time. And I want to preface this with, you know, we've been talking to people who, you know, their goal, they they love working, they love grinding, they want to grow, you know, their business to be as big as possible. They want to make as much money as possible. They love the freaking grind, right? And on the flip side of the coin, we've also talked to people who, and I think both of us fall into this category, is... We want to, there's no choice, right? At the beginning, when you're building your own businesses, you've got to grind, you've got to put in the work, you've got to put in all those hours, right? But I think we're both in the boat where once we get to a point where we are making a significant, you know, quote unquote, significant amount of money, all relative, right? Um, Call it $500,000 a year and really only wanting to work about 20 hours a week and spending the rest of the time with, our family, with our friends, doing hobbies that we enjoy doing, right? And so I think no matter which boat you fall into here, no matter which one you relate to more, I think a lot of the stuff outlined in this book is applicable to both types of people, no matter what kind of your long-term work goals are. Yeah, I agree. Um, Like you mentioned, we've talked with two different types of people who we meet a lot in our industry. Um, I think at the start, you're exactly right. You have to work really, really hard to get started. And you and I have shifted 
as we've continued to get more stability in the business and more experience to not put down the people who care about making a ton of money, but to say that you and I value other things in life more than just how much money we can make. Absolutely. And you've talked extensively about your love for traveling and wanting to see the world and do these things. I'm kind of the opposite. I want to stay in town and just work very minimally and spend a lot of my time either with kids or with my family or on hobbies. On the golf course. On the course, baby. (laughs) So I think we aren't putting down the people who want to go and make a million dollars. We're just saying this book is is interesting because it kind of shifted what we see and how we could actually fulfill that maybe 20 hours a week, 500,000 a year. 100%. So let's start with uh, the definitions. Um, the, the first thing that he talks about in the introduction is the concept of the new rich. And this was kind of interesting because I've seen it on TikTok. Have you? Uh-uh. They always are like, oh, yeah. The old rich was about making money and having fancy things. The new rich is about having your time freedom and being able to do what you want. And uh, that's exactly what he talks about. And it, the the reason why we start with this is because we have to preface that working four hours a week is not really the right way to go make a gazillion dollars. But this book is to show you how to work minimally to cover your lifestyle and then have all that time back. And also prefacing this with exactly like you said, people, you you can't just jump in and expect to only work four hours a week and see the income that you're really wanting. Again, to kind of backtrack this, I think this is, you know, all of these principles and stuff that's outlined in this book is a good and it it applies where you've already or are continuing to put in the grind phase, right? Because again, no matter what business you're starting, no matter what product you're selling, no matter what you are trying to do, you you have to pay your dues. Uh, I, I mean, 99% of people, right? We've talked about the outliers where you jump in and see immediate success and just hit the ground running, right? But 99% of people in businesses, it just doesn't happen. There's always that grind phase. You're putting in who knows how many hours a week between you know building your business and working that second job to put in the grind and pay for the bills, right? Like I, I want to make that clear. This isn't some you know grand old you know solution to just working immediately four hours a week and making a shit ton of money because that's right. not what this is. Right. Well, let's start because it talks first about step one is defining what success looks like. Yeah. So he started kind of um, talking about we work our whole life just to be ailing, you know, have ailing health and have some money saved up and we live kind of a crappy retirement and then we die, right? His suggestion is that why don't you live a whole bunch of mini retirements throughout your career and set yourself up that way, right? And it's kind of... It's just breaking the social norm is a majority of what this book is about. Yeah. It's it's saying instead of going and buying the Lamborghini or the mansion, you're going to buy a much smaller place, but it's going to allow you to go see the world or do these other things and have experiences while you are working and living. And you don't have to wait... 40 years of grinding eight to 12 hours a week or or a day just to then when you're 65 and have health issues, sit around at your house and maybe, you know, go to a bingo game. That's exactly right. I think, and again, this is not to 
you know, look down on, you know, nine to five jobs, right? Because there are plenty of ultra successful real estate investors, entrepreneurs who, you know, maybe started there or even are still there and building their business on the side, maybe because, you know, they're passionate about the work they're doing in their nine to five, but really, you know, generalizing, like breaking the norms, like you said, like to more people than we know, the majority of people, they go to work, they work their 40 hours a week, plus they are, you know, a slave to other people's companies and, you know, signing time away until, you know, before you know it, you wake up, you know, in your retirement age, 65. And dude, you, you worked all, all of those years, all of those hours for what? Right. Right. Well, and you have no experiences, no memories. You didn't travel. You didn't do the things you wanted. The whole purpose of this is redefining what success looks like. And success isn't retiring at 65 and living off of your retirement fund. It's working beyond that, but creating a work-life balance that isn't difficult for you to maintain. Well, and and I want to tie this into, because this concept of mini retirements is so interesting too, because like you were sharing at the beginning, right? You may, you know, really enjoy traveling or you may not enjoy traveling, right? But in in this context of the mini retirements, we just had a buddy who, um, you know, middle-aged going through a transition in his work life and business life. And he was like, look, dude, it, with this change, I, I'm going to take a week and a half, two weeks off and just reevaluate and get stuff dialed in. Like a two-week mini retirement. Yeah. I'm going to spend more time with my kids. I'm going to spend more time with my family. I'm going to get all of these, you know, business items prioritized and really just, you know, ha- have a rest and reset before kind of starting this next chapter yeah. in life. So I think this concept is really, really interesting. We just grabbed lunch with him, um, you know, after he kind of wrapped up that mini retirement, that two weeks and, and got back into grinding and, and working on his business. And he had all positive things to say and share about it. The other part is think about the other person that we recently had lunch with. And we could go hit golf balls with him and then grab lunch. And the whole time, all we talked about was just how great life's going for him and for us and how he has had the same shift in wanting to make a million dollars to wanting to systematize things and make it as little work as possible because he recently had a daughter, right? Yeah. And he wants to spend time with his family and he's traveling and doing these other things. So I feel like you're right. We did kind of have a lot of in-depth conversations. I don't know if it was because we were reading this book <laughs> or because other people in life just happened to have that happen. Yeah. But redefining what success looks like was the first step. Yeah, 100%. And the only thing I'll, sh- I'll touch on that before we jump into this is um, we talked about a phrase last week about you know, running your own race and not getting caught in the comparison trap. Right. And I think people, it really is a big thought process. You need to sit down and really think about and define what, what your version of success is, because it's not going to be the same as the person next to you. It's not going to be the same as the person making more money than you. It's not going to be the same as the person making less money than you. So you've really got to take some time, sit and cultivate what your version of success looks like. And it, it it's going to change throughout the years and that's okay. But sitting and prioritizing, what does that look like for you? What does that look like for your spouse? What does that look like for your family? I think is really important. Yeah. So step two is simple. In order to work only four <laughs> hours a week, you essentially, you need to be hyper productive in those four hours. The other part is 
you need to make sure that those four hours aren't spent on fluff, right? And so you and I, right when I read this, I thought (laughs) of our conversations on the podcast about being busy and being productive Mm. are different things. And so the first step to elimination, and again, this book is giving all these people who work nine to fives, it's giving you a roadmap on how to get out. So if you're working a regular job, listen to this because this isn't just for entrepreneurs. Yeah. That being said, he talks about prioritization and focus. Essentially, what are the few things that your boss really cares about you doing or that need to get done and only focus on those things? Don't do anything else and accept the fact that other things not getting done isn't the end of the world. Is that what you got from that? 100%. Excuse me. 100% and focusing on whatever the term you want to use. Income generating activities. He used high value activities, right? Whatever the activities are that are generating the most results, generating the most income, right? right. It, and results don't have to be income, exact, like when you're in a nine to five, if you're on salary or whatever, right? But that, the, the activities that, that focus and uh, deliver the best results. The reason why if you're an employee, this is important, is you pick the items that your boss cares about the most because you're trying to make yourself as impactful to the team as possible because the process of becoming a four-hour worker requires that you become indispensable or indisposable, I mean, for the company. So you have to first show you're the best person in the team. Then later on, you can ask to work less. 100%. Second part, Parkinson's law. And I think you and I have experienced this. I, I will speak for myself. Yeah. I dropped out of school because I did not like the way that school was taught and I didn't really mm-hmm. do well in it. This law helps me understand why. It seemed as if Parkinson's law is in regards to uh, work will expand to fill the available time Mm -hmm. for its completion. I felt like the whole four years of going to school to get a degree was all arbitrary. Why is it four years? Why is it each class requires so many hours? Things like that versus a knowledge based, right? And... I always was the person who waited until the night before the paper was due to write the paper. I always said, I'm good under pressure. Don't know if that's true. I, you know, skirted by with decent grades, but it proved to me through life experience that the Parkinson's law of giving yourself extra time to do tasks inevitably leads to me taking longer to do it. Whereas if I had just said, I need to do it tomorrow, I would have figured out a way to do it tomorrow. If I need to do it tomorrow and I need to get it done in three hours you'll get it done in three hours. Whereas, hey, I need to get it done tomorrow. I have all day. I've got nothing going on. It may take you eight hours to complete the same task or write the same essay. But if you sit down and you're like, dude, I've got three hours. I'm going to sit down. And in that time frame, I'm going to get it done. And you get it done. This is where I'm a little embarrassed to share that you and I have had a very prideful feeling about we're the first people in the office. We're very good at dictating our schedule. We treat this like a job and we make it happen. And reading this book, I was like, wow, we're idiots. And this is what I was talking about (laughs) saying, I wish I had read this before and known. Yeah. Because just because we were there first and there last doesn't mean we were the most productive. And it doesn't mean that we we actually... (laughs) I can guarantee we were. It doesn't mean we actually did the work needing to be done. So... Yeah, dude... that is such a good point. Although I think it's it's a balancing act, right? Because I do think, and this just ties into a little bit with structure. 
because as a self-employed individual, some people need, you know, the, the ultra hyper structure more than others, right? Especially since, you know, you may not have a boss or a manager looking over your shoulder. So I, I think it was a, I don't know if you want to call it a double-edged sword, but I do think us having that structure and, and dedicating that time, there were of, of course extreme benefits that came from that, but I think it, it's combining both and in, in having that hybrid, right? Having that structure, but also saying, Hey, this is my time block. I'm going to be as ultra productive as I can in this time block. And afterwards I'm going to, you know, whatever it is, go spend time with family. I'm going to, you know, keep my mental health in check. I'm going to go do the things that I like. I'm going to go hit golf balls with some buddies because that keeps me sane, right? right? Whatever it is. I think it's finding that happy medium is, is good. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, tell me this, you know, when we meet with people, we always like really push hard on the calendar. Yeah. I think that that is still a great way of living life is, is, before your day starts, have a plan of what it's going to look like so mm-hmm. that you have the control on the day, not the day has control over you. What I wish I had paid attention to more was how much flexibility I give myself by allotting these rounded numbers that are usually bigger than they need to be to do the same task I could do in a shorter amount of time and be more productive and then leave the office and go do stuff outside of work the rest of the day. And this might be controversial too, but you know... <sighs> Not not feeling bad about yourself if you do, if you got your work done, if you sat down and you made your two hours of calls and follow up, you you've taken care of all the escrows up to date. Right. And and you do, you know, head out and, you know, call in an early day or a half day or whatever it is not having that guilt and not feeling bad about yourself, which I know is something we've talked about and struggled with. It's, I know it's uh, 99% of the other investors and, and people we've talked to. Um, I mean, we had a conversation with our own, you know, mini mastermind a couple of weeks ago talking about exactly that. And I think it's, you know, giving yourself a little bit of a break, right? And again, it's, it's finding this happy media, making sure you're getting the shit, the high value activities done but not feeling guilty or not feeling bad about yourself if you've gotten your stuff done and you're going to head out and you're going to go hit golf balls or you're going to go spend time with your family or your dogs or whatever it is, right? That's exactly it. And again, the mini vacations is to help your production and your productivity Mm -hmm. when you're at work, right? Mm -hmm. So let's jump into automation. Oh, yeah. This is kind of funny because you and I have done a lot of this stuff just by example from other people, but this, this kind of hones it in a little. So automation is step three. So you had setting the vision, elimination. Now it's automation. And automation is more about how do you make the boat move when you're not there, Mm -hmm. right? Because technically the four-hour work week is you not working more than four hours, not work not being done more than four hours a week. Good clarification. Absolutely. The first and the most important thing that I got from this was about the use of VAs and yeah. the use of uh, delegation and learning the skills of delegation. 100%. And especially, um, you know, they made the point, you know, start outsourcing and delegating. And again, I think it, it's finding this fine line because everyone has to put in their work and pay their dues and make the calls. But it, it's doing that sooner rather than later, right? And um, I mean, we've gone through 
we've had experience hiring, training, however many VAs, and we've still got our right-hand man, Kevin, on board, absolutely knocking it out of the park and, and doing a ton of what we would call the lower level activities for us as the business owners. Right. Right. And I think that importance cannot be understated enough and and it's applicable in all industries, right? Right. Every single industry you can outsource and hire a VA to do some sort of lower level task while you can focus on the higher income generating activities. It doesn't matter what industry, which I think why this is so applicable and there's no excuses because <laughs> right. it applies a, a, with all in every single industry. And the, and the benefit is that a guy like Kevin, so for those who don't know, Kevin is our assistant who works with us. I would call him a team member, not even an of assistant. Course. Yeah. And Kevin's the one who uploads the podcast and does all these other things for us, does a ton of work. Having Kevin on the team inherently means that you and I don't have to always be there because yeah. a lot of the stuff that we do throughout the day, Kevin technically can do. Mm -hmm. As long as it's not requiring in-person behavior, which is pretty limited, he can do pretty much everything else. And Kevin has been with us for over a year now. We've given him multiple raises and the dude loves what he does. So for paying him what we pay him, we could not get somebody in America to do it. So all we're saying is the term is geo-arbitrage, but work to find the person who can fulfill a majority of the problems that you have on the day-to-day level, leave the important problems for you to solve. And then when you're working your four hours a week, just work on those four things or five things and leave the rest for your assistant or your team member or your crew of team members to help facilitate the rest. Yeah, I think you made an important point that I don't want to brush over, which is at least with people that I've talked to, I know, I know, I know there's a limiting belief out there about virtual assistants, right? And I think you said the most important thing is that a virtual assistant can do any and everything a person here in America can that doesn't require them to be in person, right? Anything that doesn't require you to be in person can be outsourced to a virtual assistant for one-tenth, whatever the number is, of the freaking cost that it would be to hire someone here. And I think breaking down that limiting belief, yes, it'll take some training, just like it would take training if you hired an in-person assistant or an in-person team member, right? And you know, you, you may have a little bit of harder trouble finding the right person, the right virtual assistant to be in the right seat, but once you do, Anything can be freaking outsourced, man. Managing escrows, transaction coordinating, preparing contract. Like we have do the all list that. is limitless across industries too. So I think breaking down that limiting belief, finding the right person, and they're out there. I Kevin is a testament to dude is an absolute killer, an absolute beast, is hungry, is bought in to the vision and the purpose of you know our companies and what we're doing. And I think when people can shift their mindset and recognize and understand that, it makes this jump a lot easier. Yeah. The other part is uh, comparing cost per task, right? Oh, yeah. So that was the only other thing is just know that you don't always have to outsource to a VA. There are going to be certain tasks that you can outsource to other companies. Mm -hmm. And just know that when you are outsourcing and automating in this business or in any business... If your goal is to be away from work, it's going to cost money. You won't make as much money, but your lifestyle will afford you that. 
again, the second part of this whole geo arbitrage is that when you travel, America is like one of the most expensive places. So when you go somewhere else, you're going to leverage the fact that it's going to cost you a lot less to be there. Yeah. And, um, you know, this book was written in 2006 or seven or eight. And the dollar has definitely fluctuated <laughs> from what it was then. But then again, it's still true that there are plenty of places if your goal is to travel or do things like that, yeah. you could easily travel and live on less traveling than you do currently, especially if you're in California. Well, and 100%, and correct me if I'm wrong, I know you have you have a, uh, an older brother who is technically employed and, you know, gets... He's doing the four-hour work week thing. He, he, he gets paid in American dollars, right? Is employed and, and earning an American salary, but is living in Mexico doing exactly what this geo-arbitrage is talking about. Yeah, no, and, and again, that's a perfect example. I think he said that like his rent is like $350. <laughs> so, you know, you look at making an American salary in a Mexican city, your dollar just stretches a lot further. And um, his goal isn't to make like a ton of money. It's to, to live a more interesting lifestyle. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a cool example. I didn't even think about that. So next up, we have liberation, and we can kind of expand a little bit on this, you know, remote work and what they call location, <clears throat> excuse me, location independence stuff, right? And, you know, Tim Ferriss really digging into the fact that, or, or the possibilities that can come with remote work. Right. Right. And there's a couple different ways to look at remote work. One in the, in the nine to five sense, right? And a lot of People will say, well, I, I've got a nine to five. I have to be in the office, right? This, that, and the other. And for some stuff, that's absolutely true. But I know a crap ton, especially since COVID, a crap ton of companies have gone fully 100% remote and right. it, you're, it's still technically a nine to five, right? Zillow, I know being one of the companies where 100% you know, remote since COVID and everybody's remote. Right. Yeah, yeah. And really exploring the fact that, you know, being untethered from a, vis uh, a physical office, right? Having the flexibility of remote work, being it could be out of the country or in a different place in, um, you know, in America, right? A different state, wherever you are, but still not being tethered to a physical office. I know he was really hammer hammering kind of this fact right. of, you know, working in, you know, from your laptop remote, you know, not in a physical office. I think that the whole paragraph that we have written here is best summed up by just needing to read the book yeah. because he goes through the step-by-step -step process of how you go from working 40 hours a week in the office to none. And um, if you're an entrepreneur, obviously you have a little bit more control of where you work. But a lot of it's getting out of your comfort zone when you're the business owner because um, he, he said say, a statement that I thought was funny. Business owners have a hard time letting go of responsibility. Hmm. Employees have a hard time taking responsibility. <laughs> Meaning he sees inverse issues. When the business owner works remote, he has a hard time letting go and delegating the tasks off to somebody else. When it's an employee, they have a hard time figuring out how to take responsibility for a lot of tasks and manage other people. Yeah. So just a little thought process there. If you feel that resistance, know that it's normal. Know that it, the point of this is to get out of your comfort zone because if this was comfortable, everybody would already be doing it. Exactly. 100%. And I think um, that's a really, really good point too, because as 
you know, we think, you know, we use the real estate, you know, investor, you know, or investment business as an example, right? But once you have built your business up in a way where you've outsourced some things, you've delegated some of these things, right? Everything can be done from a cell phone or a laptop, right? And you say, oh, well, what about going on appointments? What about delegate to an acquisitions manager, right? On, uh, on-site acquisitions manager. Oh, well, what about, you know, this? Or what about having to go in and sign documents, you know, for this closing? Mobile notary, done, right? Like right. every single thing. Yeah, your, your four hours, your 20 hours, whatever it can be, once your business is to that point, every everything can be done from a laptop or a cell phone. Right. I think a lot of this is is dispelling limiting beliefs and setting up a realistic expectation of what's possible. Yeah. Chapter five, they, they expand talking about the virtual assistants with, which we've talked about a lot. You know, it ties back into chapter three, which talked about automation. Mm-hmm. Right. But also, you know, talking about personal tasks to virtual assistants, which is kind of interesting. Did you read the part about him having his VA apologize to his wife? <laughs> Yes. Yes, I did. Yeah. That seems strange. No, and um, with the virtual assistants having, um, you know, like control over pers- like personal email and responding to emails on behalf of you, which I was like, I don't know if I would go that far, but literally having control over your personal email and responding as you. Right. Which, <laughs> no, I think he brought up a lot about how to set up the security parameters and make sure everything's covered. But I mean... It sounds like he outsources, like they have their, his social, they have his credit card info, and he talks through all the security things on how to protect yourself. Yeah. But at the end of the day, we're not pushing you to do that today. <laughs> we're saying start by outsourcing the easier stuff. Maybe you need somebody to plan a vacation for you. I guarantee that there are VAs who specialize in booking vacations for you. Yeah. That's an easy one for me. I hate booking vacations. It's one of the reasons I don't travel. If I could for five dollars an hour have somebody set it all up for me and all i have to do is swipe a card (laughs) that sounds like a great way of leveraging and outsourcing yeah i think when we talk about like limiting beliefs for vas i think this is just kind of the next barrier right like we've got you know at least talking in our sense like we've got the business stuff covered we've got business vas dialed in that limiting belief is gone but now seeing and trying to incorporate that into our personal lives because just like in business in your personal life, in your personal time, there are also high value activities and high value ways to spend your time and also not great right. ways to spend your personal time. Is paying PG&E what you want to do on your Saturday morning, <laughs> you know? Exa- yeah, exactly. So, I mean, this whole paragraph is interesting because it's, a, again, this book was more like a manual than I thought. Yeah. But he literally reads off all the websites and everything that he was using, all the tools, how to implement it. So... Um, and I like that the style he has at the end, he has the questions and, and mm. actions. Mm-hmm. And so at the end of each chapter, it asks, it gives a pushback or a question that you might be thinking to yourself. And then he says, not just the answer, but how you actually implement the answer. Yeah. So I really like that. It was a very easy book to follow in that sense. Mm-hmm. Do, so 
I, you tell me, I'm looking at as, you know, some of these last chapters as we're wrapping up here. I know, you know, we've talked about taking those, you know, many retirements and extended breaks. If, if you do like traveling, you know, of course, traveling being a part of that. If you're not a big traveler, still uh, finding a way to have a little staycation, <laughs> right. is what, you know what I mean? And and still get that R&R and, and that little break from staying local, right? But you know, we've also talked about lifestyle design a little bit, you know, encouraging people to question kind of what the norm is, right? Question what, you know, all, all of these people who, you know, this is the norm, you know, our right. parents and our grandparents who said, this is the norm. You go, you find a job, you work in 99 to five, um, you know, you build that 401k and you retire and you've got your 401k and, you know, after retirement is where you do all the stuff you wanted to do your whole life. Right. Right. Uh, talked talked about, you know, the quote unquote mobile office, you know, working remote, having that flexibility. The biggest thing I see here to talk about is as we wrap up is kind of in this last chapter is your comfort zone, right? And challenging that comfort zone and, and expanding your comfort zone, which can sound like a broken record. I know we've talked about it across several books, but it's a concept where I, you know, I think the importance can't be understated for, you know, really expanding what is comfortable and what's uncomfortable for you. Yeah. In that beyond repair section, he talks about being willing to be fired, right? Yeah. And that like being fired is simply just a part of life and that it's not something that you should be super scared of. And again, back at the start in the first chapter about defining the vision, he talks about listing all the fears that you're scared of, of breaking the social norm, you know? And it goes back to, you know, if you get fired from a job because you failed to perform, it's actually maybe a blessing because if you suck at the job, there's no way around of being, you know, around that. Yeah. And then the second part of it about that comfort is, you know, if this is a lifestyle you choose to pursue, you're you're going to be criticized both by yourself mentally, but also by other people because they're keeping up with the Joneses and they're going to be upset that you're not trying to keep up too and that you're not working all your life to hit the same, you know, the thing that comes to mind is like a Cadillac Escalade. Like hmm. they're upset that you didn't just work 40 hours a week, 60 hours a week, 100 hours a week so that you could buy your wife a, a Cadillac Escalade, you know, and that instead you guys lived in a smaller home with a night with a cheaper car and you've traveled the world and done all these things. And inherently you're, you're getting out of your comfort zone by not being the same as the other people. Yeah. That was kind of the part of the paragraph that, or the chapter that stood out to me. Yeah. 100%. And I have, so we have a a bullet point under the, one of these key concepts, um, that we were on the phone about yesterday and I want to ask you about, but before I jump into that, I just kind of want to finish and touch on one thought when we're talking about your comfort zone, right? You know, a big part of it was, you know, overcoming your fear, right? Embracing the uncertainty, right? If you get fired or, or you don't know what's next, right? But also one of the biggest, most important things is pursuing personal growth. And I'll tie it into, there was a mastermind I had, um, at not maybe not a mastermind. I don't know what you would call it. Maybe a, a meeting or mastermind type thing a couple of weeks ago that I had with my team and, they were talking about making the right hire, right? Making sure you're finding the the right people to put in that seat when you start outsourcing 
and delegating, whether it's virtual or in person, right? And, you know, one thing I just want to tie in here that I think was really cool and touching on this personal growth is not only the people you're surrounding yourself with, but being ultra picky about who you are bringing on and delegating and outsourcing tasks to. One of the questions you should always ask is, what are some of your personal goals? What are you investing in yourself for your personal growth? Do you have any favorite podcasts? Do you have any favorite self-help books? What activities do you do to stay mentally sharp and improve you know, your personal growth? And I think just chiming that in there to say, when you're looking to start doing this, when you're looking to surround yourself with the people who are doing what you wanna be doing, find the people who are investing in their personal growth, find the people who have goals. I mean that it sounds redundant and it sounds, you know, like, you know, self-explanatory, but surround yourself with those types of people, hire those types of people, right? Because if somebody doesn't have any personal goals or isn't investing into their personal growth, how can you expect them to invest in your business and want to grow your business if they have no goals for yourself? Right. Right. Um, Good okay. reminder. Now I want to ask you one of these key concepts. You know, we talk about uh, this phrase is always thrown around, quote unquote, passive income. And we just uh, we posted a story the other week. Uh, if you guys follow Scott and I, uh, you know, either of us or both about one of our rentals we have out in South Bend that has finally got rocking and rolling and dialed in and a well-oiled machine. But we were on the phone yesterday and you had shared, you know, how this book you know, made, made kind of like a light bulb go off for you. When, when we talk about, you know, this quote unquote passive income, finding different ways to make money and bringing in money from different income sources. And I think I don't, when you shared that with, with me, that was even a, an aha for me, just hearing it from you different from right. the book being like, dude, you know, tell me, talk to me a little bit more about that, how that light bulb and thought process happened for you. Essentially, all all that happened was when listening to this book, I realized that the current trajectory that I'm on doesn't allow for me to hit the goal I want. Yeah. It's a great... I am on a great trajectory to make a million dollars or $2 million or $100 million because real estate is a very, very helpful asset, right? But I was looking at it and I said, well, my goal isn't to do that. So what is my goal? And it's I've been stating it out loud for like six months or two years now that I want to work 20 hours a week and make $500,000, right? And I said to myself, well, in order to do that, I have to be selling some kind of a product to help, mm-hmm. right? Additional streams of income. And in the book, he talks about like the types of products. There's like a manufactured product, but then the one that stood out to me was a knowledge or educational product, right? And I said to myself, like, I was literally listening to this book on my way to an appointment. And I was like, Two years ago, or not two years ago, uh, five years ago, I couldn't afford to buy a bag of ice for my family's party. And I had to get my money from my cousin before I went to go buy the ice because I was dirt broke. Now, everything in my life is completely different. I am not stressed about money in the same ways, even in the slightest, right? And I said to myself, there was something there that I did that I could share and that I could also sell. And I said... This is something that I could write once, not have to look back, right? And so the conversation you and I had was about finding a way to get closer to our goal by developing products Mm -hmm. that don't require 
consistent effort. And again, it's hitting the four hour work week. Yeah. You do it once. You put in the hard work really hard once. And then from there, you automate it. Yeah. Kevin can facilitate the orders. All you have to do is sign up on my Instagram. You get all the the products. Kevin helps me build out the actual product. And all of a sudden, I'm implementing like eight or nine different sections of this book. And it was something that like, I've known this is possible. I just haven't really done it. And at the end of the day, it's still bringing value back to people. Yeah, I'm going to charge for it. But at the end of the day, it provides value. It provides value. Yeah. So that was kind of the light bulb I had. And it had to do with creating something that was legitimately passive, not yeah. something that required management, maintenance, anything like that. Yeah. Not like, yeah, exactly. Well, dude, I think this is, again, one of the books where you shared earlier, there's a lot of, you know, manual nitty gritty stuff um, in the book, a lot of resources, sites, you know, things that, that Tim Ferriss shared and talks about in the book that we didn't get into, obviously, all the nitty gritty stuff today. Yeah. But I think, dude, it, it's we're on the same page. We've got the same consensus. Buy the book, listen to it, read it. Um, one of the one of my probably favorite ones so far that we've done. I know we we've done a lot of great books. Yeah, I know we've got one at the bottom of the totem pole, <laughs> but I know the rest of them have been you know really really solid. I yeah. think this one's towards um, you know the top. Not only just concepts that were learned, but also I think just a really really good read. I think you know, absolutely going to the list of, of required and recommended reads or listens for people. It's a behemoth of a book. So (laughs) just know that this took us three weeks to get this book done. Normally we can read a book in a week. So a lot, a lot, a lot of content, a lot of, uh, manual based content, but definitely worth the read. And if you're looking to try to figure out how to travel more, work less, spend time with your family, take a look. And as we wrap up, I just want to do a quick shout out to our listeners and uh, maybe watchers on YouTube. Yeah, at this point, we have officially closed our GoFundMe for our 100th episode that we did where we partnered with all of Madeira, raising money, um, you know, for rehabbing, rehabilitating and, you know, helping victims of sex trafficking here in the Valley. We raised just shy of $5,000 and we had a ton of donations come in from friends, family, podcast listeners. So anybody who's out there who's listening or watching um, and, you know, even if you didn't donate, you know, shared it on your Instagram. I know we had a couple people uh, do that as well. Thank all of you. I, I know we, we are so grateful and so thankful and so blessed, you know, to have you guys on the other end of these microphones. And so, um, yeah, just shy of a $5,000 raise that's going direct to Olive, and, um, just feeling really, really, really blessed and really happy. So thank all of you guys who either donated, shared, um, all of that stuff. We appreciate you. Yeah. Thank you guys. And, uh, like we said, we're going to want to do more of these in the future. So Absolutely. if you guys have a nonprofit that you feel would be somebody you want us to support, I think using our, our platform to try to raise money for our community is the way we want to do it. So thank you guys for tuning in. We will see you guys next week. I think we may have a deal analysis next week. Yeah, a deal breakdown. Oh, that's got me excited. Let's go. So we'll see you guys (laughs) next week. Have a good rest of your day. Thanks, guys.